Welcome to Bloodbath, a true crime podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Jamie. Wait, Ash, did you just say true crime? I did. So if I'm easily creeped out or offended by airplane crashes and maybe murder, then this probably isn't the podcast for me. Isn't that your personality? (laughs) Airplanes and murder. (laughs) Yeah. So if somebody doesn't like my personality, then don't listen to the show. Bye. Well, consider that your blanket trigger warning. You're about to listen to a true crime podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. It's time for the show. And we're back. I won't say it. Oh, you said it! <laughs> you scared, you scared. All right. Um, this week is, it kind of just popped up because I had an assignment on this in school. Okay. And it was truly a, but wait, there's more. Love that. Yes. So, if it sounds a little reporty, it's because I wrote a report on it. Oh, <laughs> you're studious. Oh, uh, Thanks. Thanks. You better know these right. facts then. I'm holding you accountable right. in this. I mean, I know the story. I didn't even want to okay. write notes on it because I was like, I already know it. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. July 1st, 2002. We are in Überlingen over the Lake of Constance in Germany. Okay. Überlingen. Yes. Überlingen. Um, we have two aircraft involved here. We have a Boeing B757-200 and a Tupolev 2U-154 Mike model. Um... And the BTC-2937, so Flight 2937 is how I'm going to refer to it, was on a flight from Moscow, Russia, to Barcelona, Spain, okay. with 60 passengers and nine crew members. More than half of those on board were school children from the city of Ufa. Oh, no. So that flight departed Moscow de Mododedevo Airport at 2248, so that's 10.48 p.m. Okay. These are... It's Russian. There's a lot of words I'm going to have trouble with. (laughs) The second aircraft was the Boeing 757, registered as A9CDHL. Their call sign was Dilmun 611. It's a cargo aircraft for DHL, and they had two pilots on board. And they had taken off from Bahrain with a stopover in Bergamo, Italy, and it was on its way to Brussels, Belgium. Okay. So around 23.20 Central Eastern Time, so that's 11.20 p.m., the DHL Flight 611, Captain Phillips, reported to the Area Control Center uh, responsible for the southern German airspace. And that's over, that's like Zurich is who's in charge of that. And Peter Nielsen, (laughs) Zurich, Peter Nielsen is at the control board. He's the one in charge of these planes right now. He had instructed Captain Phillips to increase the flight level from his current flight level of 260, so that's 26,000 feet, up to 320, 32,000 feet. Uh, Captain Phillips requested, can we go up to 360, 36,000 feet, to Mm -hmm. save fuel, because you get better fuel economy the higher you go. So Nielsen said, sure, go up to 360. The Boeing reached this desired altitude at 1129 and 50 seconds. And then the Bashkirian flight 2937 reported to Skyguide and ATC at 1130 at flight level 360. Oh, no. You see where I'm going here? I do see where you're going here, and I don't like it. Divert. Divert. So, <laughs> divert. 
The pilots of the Tupolev again reported the flight data, including their altitude. Responding to Nielsen confirmed it, like, yes, we're at 360. But he did not assign a different altitude to either plane, neither the Boeing nor the Tupolev. Oh, no. So both aircraft flying along at the same altitude. Mm-hmm. 360, and they're a few miles north of Lake Constance on a collision course. Not, like, toward, like, face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Like, one's going south and one is going west. Okay? Okay. And this is what I would classify as the perfect storm. Oh, no. There's no storms involved, but it's the perfect storm. <laughs> a little bit of lightning. <laughs> both of them are flying along, talking to ATC. They both get assigned an altitude of 36,000 feet, unknowingly on the crash course towards one another. But... This air traffic control room, it's the middle of the night. They are undergoing maintenance. No. So they are using backup systems to control the traffic because there's not a lot of traffic in the middle of the night over Germany. You know what happened when the first cars were invented? The first Hmm. two? They crashed into each other. (laughs) Literally, the first two cars to be invented, they were driving around and they crashed into each other. Look it up. Google it. It's real. (laughs) (laughs) Goes to show you, you know? Doesn't matter how little traffic there are. No. So, with this station usually experiencing such light traffic during these hours, the night shift had kind of like an unspoken code of the two, if there's two people working, one can take an extended break. Okay. And come back and then the other one would do it. Yeah. Management knew about this and did not tell them not to do it. I mean, up until this point, there wasn't any accidents, right? Right. So far, so good. So that's how they've been doing things. Yeah. So Peter Nielsen, he's working on backup systems all by himself. And he had another plane coming in unscheduled, landing at an airport nearby and oh he God. couldn't get a hold of the tower. He's using the phone. Phone's not working because they're also running maintenance on that. Yeah. So he's trying to get that plane, like, handed off to tower so he doesn't have to deal with them while he's got these two planes on the other screen on a collision course. So he's got two screens he's looking at going back and forth, and he's trying oh to talk God. to the one plane, get him landed for his unscheduled landing, and he's not seeing the other screen. Also, with it being on the backup system, there's no... um oral like you can't hear any it would have been like blinking red and saying hey these two planes are flying towards each other the screen Uh would have said that that's not happening because of the maintenance yes because of the they're on the backup system oh my god so no phone two screens it's all on backup and it's not giving him the warning even though he said 360 to both planes so he knows they're both 360 that's the only thing Everything else is not working the way it should be. You're freaking me out with flying more. Because now I'm realizing (laughs) just how much more in-depth. It's just like a person doing their job to get you somewhere safely. It's it's multiple people doing their job to get you somewhere safely. It's those people up in the... It's Peter. Peter. (laughs) Peter. Flight pilot Jamie at the wheel having to talk to Peter. But Peter can't get a hold of Jamie. Mm. I might have to cancel the live show. I'm staying on the ground. <laughs> oh, my God. But there's so much more that was going on, too. So, yeah, it's this is this is such a terrible situation. Such a perfect storm. 
So another ATC facility was monitoring and they saw, like, this is in, like, another part of the country. They saw these two planes going towards each other and he's like, are you seeing this? Do I, do I say something? Because you're not supposed to step in on other people's areas. So he tries phoning in to Zurich being like, phone's not working though. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm not allowed to call in to those planes because they're talking to someone else. Call. Call in. Right? It's it's time to go. "Mm, Maybe. (laughs) Maybe maybe you should. (laughs) Like once it gets within like, I don't know, within 10 miles of each other. No, I'd call immediately. Yeah. It's it's such a toss up though because like you could lose your job for that. But. Oh my anyway, God. let's get into it. So, 23, 34, 42. So, 11, 34, and 42 seconds, uh, less than a minute before the crash. Peter Nielsen realizes the danger, and he contacts Flight 2937. And he's telling the pilot, you need to descend to Flight Level 350 immediately. So, immediately. a thousand feet below, Nose right? down. To Go. Av- <laughs> yes. To avoid collision with crossing traffic. Seconds after the, the, the Russian crew starts their descent... Their TCAS system, so the TCAS is Traffic Collision and Avoidance System, and that is an um, automated system, and it's going to say, traffic, 4 o'clock, descend, 4 oh, okay. climb to this level. It's like an automated voice that tells you, you need to do this to yeah. mitigate a crash. Yeah. TCAS instructs them to climb. ATC instructed them to descend. <gasps> oh, no. Yes. And so TCAS can talk to multiple planes at the same time. It's just an automated system. Yeah. So it's telling the Russian crew, you need to climb, and telling the DHL crew, you need to descend so that you'll miss each other, right? Okay. But Russian training has taught them that TCAS does not take precedence. ATC does. I so would, now they're both yeah. descending at each other. Oh my God. <laughs> This could be because a movie. in Europe, the DHL coming from Europe, it is a movie. DHL coming from Europe, are they are were trained that TCAS takes precedence because it's an automated it's system a person. that knows about everything. No, no, no. ATC is a person. TCAS is not. Oh, the People robot. Make oh, Robots. yeah. Interesting, because the robot can tell everyone around it as well at the same exact time. ATC can only talk to one person at a time. Okay, that makes sense. So we can't Change say, you okay. climb, you descend, you know? It's... Yeah. But TCAS can do that. TCAS is like, both of you do this now and you'll avoid a crash. Oh my god. So, Flight 611, the Boeing jet, they're following the TCAS instructions, initiating their descent. But they could not inform Nielsen that they were leaving their altitude, which you're supposed to do, because he was talking to 2937. Oh, fuck. And about eight seconds before the collision, uh, Flight 611's descent rate was about 12 meters per second, so 2,400 feet per minute, and not as rapid as the 2,500 to 3,000 feet per minute range that was on the other plane. So, as far as for the Tubalov, the pilot uh, disregarded is just TCAS, instruction to climb, already commenced his descent, and so now they were both descending and Nielsen did not know that they had received TCAS alerts. He had no idea that they were getting those alerts to the cockpit telling them to do opposite of what he said. Oh so God. then he repeats himself to 2937. He said, I told you, descend. Descend now. So they're sitting there like they couldn't decide what they were going to do. And then he says, I need you to avoid a plane that is coming off of 
your right side. It was to the left. <gasps> what? Is it Peter's Bro first day? Like, what is happening? No. He was a like a, a veteran ATC. Like he had done it before. He's working the night shift. I mean, I just. Oh my god. Bro did not have his coffee or something. He woke up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. And so eight seconds before the collision, 2937, they finally realize their actual position because they look to their their right. No. And they see Flight 611 incoming. Mm-hmm. Or they, to their left, sorry. And they see him coming from the left. So then 611 was like, fuck, tried to dive. Yeah. But it was too late. No. And the vertical stab slices the plane in half. Right through it. So the 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 cargo plane sliced the passenger plane. <gasps> cargo plane loses its vertical stab, which means they just flutter to the ground. Those two pilots, gone. Passenger plane is in half. All of those bodies are being spewed outward. My jaw is on the floor. Yeah. You know what they should do? Hmm. TMTM on this. Each seat on a plane should have a parachute. You're right. Kind of like a jet plane. Like a jet. Yeah. Look at me. I'm fucking Einstein over here. (laughs) Get that going. That would save a lot of people. Yeah. So... Um, so according to the official BFU report, and the BFU was the, the German NTSB, that's what we have. That's, that's the people who investigate it crashes. Okay. They said, he did not utilize the option to separate the two converging airplanes sooner by respective instructions because he did not consider the imminent approach to be crucial. When the controller concentrated again on the two airplanes in the upper airspace and recognized the conflict, he immediately issued an avoidance instruction to the TU-154M crew which they realized directly and acknowledged with some delay. He did not know anything about the RA, that's the advisory that was given by TCAS, which had been issued immediately after his instruction and was in contradiction to it. Altogether, the BFU considers the issued instruction to the TU-154M crew as too late and the resulting separation infringement as one of the immediate casual factors having led to the accident. So they said Peter Nielsen was too late in his instruction, and if he had not... Either if he had said nothing or was catching it sooner, then it never would have happened. So they're kind of blaming him. Yeah. Like he's in trouble. Yes. Oh. So. Yeah. That's the crash of the Uberlingen disaster. When did Isn't that Isn't this a true crime episode, though? Isn't this about about crime? And this there was no crime hey, here yet. Hey, you're blamed for death, and it's something. But wait, there's more. Oh. So we're going to talk about Vitaly Kostantinovich Koloyev. Okay. Quite the name there. (laughs) Born January 15th, 1956, and he was married to Svetlana Koloyeva, and they had two children, a 10-year-old Konstantin and 4-year-old Diana. Konstantin. With a K. Oh, not a big fan of that, but she's different. (laughs) Yeah. So Vitali was working in Barcelona and waiting for his wife and children to arrive on a flight. Okay. But they were on board flight 2937. <gasps> oh. Yes. 
and his ch- his daughter was the youngest person on the plane. No, don't break my heart. It's going to get worse. Just buckle up. <laughs> Literally. I don't want to. No, I don't have a parachute. You need a parachute. So Vitali obviously suffered a nervous breakdown at the loss of his family, his entire family. Rightfully uh, so. He helped out in searching for the bodies. Hmm. And the first thing he found was a broken pearl necklace, and he knew that was his daughter's. Oh. He also okay. found her body still intact because trees had broken her fall. He found Svetlana in a cornfield. And then he found his son's body on the asphalt in front of an Uberlingen bus shelter. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. Oh, it hurts. His life just, it's ruined in a second. Yes. So, he's a mess, obviously. He spends years standing at their graves. He builds a shrine in his home to his family. Mm. At the year memorial for the disaster, he ends up reaching out to the head of Sky Guide, and he wished to speak with the controller responsible for the disaster. Oh, no. They gave him no response. He then decided, fine, I'll hire a private investigator and find Peter Nielsen's address. I just want to talk to him. Oh, no. So on February 24th, 2004, Vitali was on his way to Nielsen's house. A neighbor saw Vitali and asked, what do you want? He shows a piece of paper with Nielsen's name on it, and the neighbor points to the door. Next door. The homeboy just got doxxed. <laughs> Instead of knocking on the front door, he goes around back into Nielsen's garden. And Nielsen's like, uh, there's an intruder in our yard. I'm going to go confront him. And so he walked out into the garden, and his children followed. <gasps> Why would they follow? Yes. Why would you let them follow? Russians are crazy. So- <laughs> His wife was still inside. She's, like, trying to call the children back in, and then she hears a scream. Oh, no. Vitaly had stabbed Nielsen several times, and he died within a few minutes in front of his wife and children. Oh, he took um, the law into his own hands. Yes. So, they obviously took in Koloyev. They were like... You just murdered that guy. Come on with us. You can't do that. (laughs) He's answering questions from the judge. And he said the plane crash above Lake Constance had ended his life. He said his children were the youngest on board flight 2937. So there was no need for him to identify the bodies. He said he was crushed by the loss of his family. I have been living in a cemetery for almost two years sitting beside their graves. He presented a document received from a law firm in Hamburg for uh, the 11th of November 2003, and it was agreement in which Sky Guide offered him 60,000 Swiss francs for the death of his wife and 50,000 francs for the death of each of his two children. And then they were like, you can't claim anything else to our company. We're giving you money. And he said, fuck you. My yeah. family's not worth that much. No. So no. he was infuriated. Just done. Just to add on to everything. Yes. And he said all he wanted was for Nielsen to apologize to him for the death of his family, which Nielsen had already made a public apology to all of the families and the victims. He was going through therapy for PTSD. He felt entirely responsible. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really believe this part of Koloyev's story where he said he just wanted him to apologize. But then why would he bring a weapon with him on this somewhat peaceful errand he's saying? 
Yeah. And he and no, he denied had killing him. Yeah. No. So on 26 October 2005, Vitaly Koloyev was convicted of premeditated killing, which is yeah. between murder and manslaughter. We don't have that here, but they, they do in Switzerland. Premeditated. Oh. Killing. Yeah. yeah. So premeditation is just something we add on to murder. Yeah. But premeditated killing is between murder and manslaughter. Because it, it's kind of like a crime of passion for us, you know? I was going to say premeditated, that's, that's first degree for us. Because you thought yes. of it. You put yes. together the plan. Interesting. But they said because of it being a crime of passion and, and his state of mind and, and all the circumstances. It makes sense. It does. Yeah. So he was sentenced to eight years. And in 2007, he was paroled by the court, but the prosecution appealed the decision. Uh, 23rd of August in 2007, they accepted the appeal. He remained in prison. On November 8th, 2007, he was released from prison on parole after having served two-thirds of his sentence. Okay. And he is quoted as saying, I don't really take offense at people who call me a murderer. People who say that would betray their own children, their own motherland. I protected the honor of my children and the memory of my children. He's nobody to me. He's nobody to me. He was an idiot, and that's why he paid for it with his life. If he'd been smarter, it, would have been, it wouldn't have been like this. If he'd invited me into the house, the conversation would have happened in softer tones, mm-hmm. and the tragedy might not have happened. Mm-mm. Might not have happened. But get this. Back home in Russia, this guy's a fucking hero. They sing his praises. Literally, there are songs and movies about him. Really? Like, it's like their version, the knockoff Russian version of law-abiding citizen like they are on his i was side. literally thinking that movie the entire time yeah no i disagree this was this wasn't okay visual ante if this dude raped and killed your family okay you know what tit for tat <laughs> yeah unfortunately like yeah this was a really really bad fuck up on your part at your job but he wasn't, he didn't wake up that morning, not have his cup of coffee on the wrong side of the bed and think, oh, I feel like killing some people today. Yeah. It's it, not was like it was a his intention. horrible, horrible accident. Yeah. Nothing he could control either because it's scheduled maintenance that has to happen. Yeah. I'd say, you know, maybe he could have asked his buddy to come back from break early. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for like the moment where he'd be like, hey, John. You get back in here, please. John, John, John. I need to help. Help. <laughs> Hello. You know, but he didn't feel overwhelmed because he wasn't getting any of the alerts. Yeah. So figured. So he could it's like it. not even only his fault. I feel like I feel like it's also the systems that they use. There needs to be a lot of updates within all of it. So what I concluded in my paper was that I think if the TCAS is giving alerts to planes, that needs to be the same alert sent to. ATC, so they're aware yes. of what it's telling them, so they don't. Ha- they can be like, "Oh, okay, exactly. they know what they're doing. Oh, okay, they know what they're doing. Oh, does this interfere with another flight? I'm going to cancel their TCAS thing and say, hey, this flight, exactly. I'm canceling your TCAS. I'm telling you what to do here. Turn here, turn here, you know? And that feels like a no-brainer. Yeah, like, they should be, if you're going to have something telling me how to fly and ATC telling me how to fly, and I can get in trouble if I don't follow what ATC says. Or kill people. You, they need to be aware of the TCAS. Exactly. They need to be fully aware of what's happening. And then I would also say if you're going to have people on night shift, then have three people and have one person take a break. Sure, do extended breaks. I don't give a shit. But at least have two people working, especially when there's maintenance. 
especially. It's just well, you never know what's going to happen. So. Thanks. I loved it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I was like, my, this was like the paper. It's like, oh, it's an Uber League disaster. And I was scrolling through and then I was like, oh, murder. <laughs> oh, look at that. Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> so it worked out. And that's the story of the Uber Lingen disaster. Good job. Thanks. I was like, I was going to let it slide in the beginning. I was like, okay, we're bringing a little less true crimey to it. But like somebody gets in trouble. We're not all about murder. <laughs> Just 99%. Yeah. And then you brought it. You brought down the hammer. Hammer? <laughs> no more hammers and airplanes. No more. Oh, oh, never mind. <laughs> Please no. JK, JK. All right. Well, I have a chiropractor appointment to get to. That's cool. Have fun with that. Uh, I'm going to go get some food. And that's my good yes. good. I'm going to go get food. So. I'm going to go get cracked. Cracked. <laughs> Want to sign us Thank out? Thank you guys <laughs> so much for listening. Uh, it's been fun. And we'll catch you next week. Be sure to keep up with us on all of our socials. Don't forget about the Pacific Northwest True Crime Fest. Be sure to come to our live show if you can. You can get discount tickets with Bloodbath15 as your code. And we'll catch you next week. But wait, there's more. Bye 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 bye